0: Welcome. This is Married Under Forty. Today we have a great treat. We've got uh, Mark and Lindsay there up here in the front. They're going to be speaking in a little bit, sharing kind of their heart uh, with us, and that's going to be fun. Before before we get going, I've got a couple things I wanted to share. Um, you know, oftentimes I'll get asked like, "What is Married Under Forty? Why do you do Why do you do this as a marriage ministry? Why do you choose to do what you do?" My wife and I had the awesome opportunity of going uh, to the Bahamas last week. We spent a week there kind of as a time of us connecting. We've got three young kids, so my wife has Rachel right there. She's the beautiful one right there, waving. Um, We have three amazing kids. We have Josephine, who's six. Jaden will be five in a quick bit. And then we have Jude, who's one and a half, and then we're expecting in May... Another one, and we've learned after the first three that you get locked down for about a year and a half and can't do much when you have a kid. So we're like, man, we better squeak a vacation. And so, so we, we took off to the Bahamas and we sat on the beach, uh, sat on the beach and got a time of connecting. And we read books and we we sat there listening to the waves crash without thinking, where are my kids at? Because someone else was thinking that <laughs> a couple of them are in this room that we're watching. Okay. Um, We're sitting there one night, we're sitting there on the beach and we're resting and we're reading and what do you do on a beach when you read? You also like just notice the people that are around you and there's this couple that's walking and they walk and and the beach is quite long so they probably go for a mile down the beach and then they come back and and this is, so when they were going down they were right next to each other talking, right? And that's kind of how marriage starts, right? You're like, you know. You get married, you say I do, the honeymoon happens and you're like, boom, right next to each other. And they walk a mile down the beach and they come a mile a mile back and I can't was it the husband that was way ahead? The husband was you could tell some, <laughs> you could tell something happened in the last mile, right? Because he's just like and she's like she's she's a, she's a she's like 100 yards behind kicking the water like slowly go, like and it's just like, man, sometimes Sometimes in marriage, stuff goes down, right? Uh, my wife, my wife's a nurse, and every year she has to do something called continue education credits. Anyone anyone have to do continue education credits in here for their profession to keep licensing stuff? Yeah. So you got to make sure like every year or every two years or three years or whatever it is that you're investing in yourself, keeping your skills and your knowledge up to date so you can keep that license, whatever it is, uh, whether it's teaching or nursing or doctor or, you know, chiropr- whatever, whatever it is, you've got to keep investing so you can keep your license current. And one thing I find really interesting is our culture thinks that marriage is really easy. So to get a marriage license, what do you got to do? You take a couple bucks down to the county, fill out a piece of paper. A couple days later, they let you know that it's back in. You go up there, pick it up, have a pastor or someone sign it that the, the state says is good to, to sign it. And then voila, you're married, right? And then you start shoulder and shoulder. You start out, you're on the beach and everything's good, but sometimes things happen. And in marriage, marriage is difficult and challenging. So the reason that we're here right now, the reason that we believe in in this group and coming together is we want to invest in marriages. I believe that continuing education for marriage is as powerful as any other continuing education that's required for licensing. So the reason we're here, what we're doing is we want to connect with God because we believe in connecting with God, we want to connect with our spouses, and then we want to also connect, connect with each other so that we can encourage each other. So that's why we're here. And one of the things I believe is, I believe in having resources that can help you grow. So we're going to start something. We are supposed to start it last month, but married under 40 got canceled last month because this crazy winter that we're having. Gosh. Um, Anyways, a book that I would really recommend, and I'm recommending this book not for just this book, but this guy. Um, This is Marriage on the Rock by Jimmy Evans. I'm sure many of you in here probably like I've heard that name, or I've read that book, or something. But Jimmy Evans started a ministry called Marriage Today. He's still a part of it. It's it's got it's gotten a lot bigger than just him. But if you have not had an opportunity to dive into something like this, this is Marriage on the Rock. This is building your marriage on the foundation of Jesus Christ. On the foundation of a relationship with God, and there's a lot of good stuff that you can glean out of this book. Uh, you can also get an audio format. I'm not a huge reader. Some of y'all might be readers. I'm not a huge reader, um, but but this is a resource that's available to you. Check it out. Look up Jimmy Evans. Look up Marriage Today. Uh, he's got some awesome podcast stuff that you can look at. So that's just kind of that's kind of my encouragement for you this month. Hey, let's make a challenge to try to get through something this month, whether it's this book, a different book, a podcast, you go to a conference, something. Um, let's make a challenge to, to go through something this month to help pour into our marriages.
1: So these are our dear friends, Mark and Lindsay Edgecombe. They have an amazing testimony in their marriage. They have a lot to share. So if you can all just give them a big hand
0: to welcome them.
2: Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I apologize in advance. I've been really, really busy with work. I actually just came down from Mount Pleasant today. I'm going to be up there all this week doing this really interesting yet not so complicated <clears throat> training course called Occupant Kinematics. So it's pretty interesting. But I've been, that's where my mind has been is with that. So not so complicated as the name may sound. But um, so that's where that's where my mind has been. So I apologize in advance. Uh, We kind of backtrack on a few things or whatever.
1: Can I I add something? The irony in this is I said, we don't have to do this if you don't want to because I didn't know if I jumped the gun saying that we could do this. And he said, oh, no, no, I want to do this. And I said, okay. And we're definitely in a new season of me um, letting him lead. So (laughs) he said, I want to do this. I said, okay. So I haven't said a word. It's been a month, over a month, Not a word from him about it. And then finally on Saturday, or was it Sunday night?
2: No, it was probably Friday.
1: (laughs) We sit down and he goes, so what do you want to do? (laughs) So, um, but he did come up with most of it, but.
2: She typed it. (laughs)
1: Just the irony, and I'm gonna let him lead, and then I don't hear anything until the.
0: I've
2: been busy taking care of our family. <laughs> <laughs> the important things. So. No comment. So the topic, the topic is is conflict in marriage. So, as Tim. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> there was no conflict when we were doing this at all.
2: No, there really wasn't. So as Tim said, uh, with Marriage on the Rock, doing marriage God's way is obviously the only way to do it. And I assume that pretty much everybody in this room goes to church, either this church or a different church, to one degree or another, um, with your with your level of, of belief and your walk with Christ. So um, if there's anything that we say that goes over anybody's head, I don't anticipate there to be. But please do come up, ask us afterwards, or find another leader and talk to me, be happy to clear things up. <clears throat> but obviously doing marriage God's way and biblical way is the only way to do it. Um, I'm sure everyone's seen a Christian, you know, Christian marriage fail, where you have people that are in the church or, you know, very much involved in the church if their marriage fails. So obviously the, the, my reasoning behind that would be that they didn't do it perfectly God's way. That's kind of like saying, in a much more broad sense, that that's like socialism. It's never been done right. Um, but the problem is, is that really it wasn't done right because the human side came into it. So just like in the political theater, the human side comes into it, you have greed and everything else. And marriage is the same way. You get selfish. Or someone gets selfish, or unforgiveness starts to come into somebody's heart, or bitterness, whatever, and the human side comes in, and people start to fall for, you know, different lies and everything, and they start to kind of oppose each other instead of work together. So, we're going to be talking about conflict, and kind of where we came from, and what we went through, and then how we've kind of arrived at where we are today. Not that we've arrived, per se, but just, I mean, we're in a much better place now than we have been, so... We're definitely not the example of perfection in a marriage, but I mean, we have our days too, especially with two five-year-olds running around, and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old thrown in the mix, so things can get stressful, but this is just what we've learned, and people thought that it would be helpful for us to share, so that's why we're here. So, would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. I'm just thinking, you're just so much like your dad. (laughs)
2: My dad is awesome.
1: He is awesome, but the <laughs> body language, everything—you're just so much like your dad. Good thing.
2: You love my dad. <laughs> okay, so so to start this all out, we're we're gonna go through some quick background yeah. on our relationship. Um, so so basically, I came from a functional um, church-going family. I was taught, you know, I was taught the word in the home. I was shown biblical principles in the home. Not that I ever adhered to them very well uh, until recently, but that's what I was shown growing up. I was, shown up, I was growing. I grew up seeing the right way to live. Um, and I, I saw a functional marriage. I mean, obviously, my parents had their their share of, of issues, too, you know, um, as every as ever marriage does. But I was able to see how they worked together to do things. And I was able to see my parents' patience for each other um, and grace on my mom's part. Because so my dad did not always, he didn't do anything stupid, I would say. Like, he never did anything that would like seriously hurt my mom but there was a lot of times where he just did his own thing <laughs> like for example and this may seem small because it kind of is small but for example she she would you know when we were kids she'd say you know dinner's ready and he'd sit he'd still sit in the living room acting like he never heard her and she would say it two or three more times and then he'd finally get up and it wasn't because he was intentionally disrespecting her or telling her, you know saying that he didn't care it was just that he was so focused on what he was doing or zoned out that he just didn't hear her. so stuff like that you know i saw was and wanted to correct that for when i got older um, but Lindsay, on the other hand, did not grow up in a functional family and I'll let her tell that. Go ahead. It's your family. <laughs> I'm not going to get caught in that trap. <laughs> well, I'm from the east
1: side of the state. I call that the dark side. I don't like to go back over there. Um, it really is godless. And I do believe that my parents did what they knew to do. um. We were actually, I mean, we did go to church, and we probably were the only family on both sides, my mom's side and my dad's side, that went. So the best thing that my parents did for me was take me to church. Um, And they told me about Jesus, and I mean, my parents got baptized in um, a lake or a river, and I mean, it just sounds so fantastic, but they didn't adhere to the teachings um, I don't necessarily know that they were... Well, actually, they weren't taught what we are taught here at Res. Um I mean, we were singing hymns, <clears throat> but at home, um, I definitely wasn't seeing a functional marriage. Like I said, I think they did what they knew to do, but the human side definitely came in and took over every argument. Um, so I was constantly in... Um, I had to protect myself all the time. So I I grew up like that, and I was like that until recently as well. It It was just really confusing to see them get along and then to see such hatred towards each other. And so I thought that's what a relationship was. And I mean, you can only imagine what that would be like coming together with somebody who wasn't like that and how frustrating that was for him. Everything was driven by emotion and feelings. There really wasn't a lot of logic or reasoning behind anything that I really saw happening in my home.
2: Correction, there was, there was no logic or reasoning. That's an accurate statement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it was a shock when I met Mark, and uh, he was just normal. He wasn't a roller coaster. He still is not a roller coaster. Um, so it's been a long, we've been married almost, it'll be be nine years in July, and he was a very, very patient man.
2: Yeah, I'm not really much of a roller coaster. I don't even like him, to be totally honest. (laughs) Um, But so so on the flip side, I was driven 110% by logic and reasoning and did not pay any sort of interest in the emotional side of anything. To me, it was insignificant. Um, And in my mind, emotion was something that was inefficient in life, so it, it wasn't anything to really count on. To me, it was, it was a fleeting, you know, um, inconsistent factor of, of the human mind, <clears throat> whereas logic and reason, you know, was, was something that was a constant in life, like gravity. I mean, it never it, logic is logic. You can't get around it, you know. But what I, what I did not realize was that her brain operated primarily on emotion, whereas mine operates primarily in the realm of logic, being male and female. So when I started realizing that, it became a lot easier, so to say, to kind of deal with each other. Um, but at the beginning of our marriage, for the first several years, that wasn't the case. Um, so we, we spent the majority of the first couple years trying to change each other, uh, which never works. I don't know, none of you here have probably ever tried that before, um, to change another person. But it's always like trying to move a big, huge wall. Never, It never works. Um, so that's what we try to do. And I think that's what a lot of people try to do. A lot of people that I've run into—that's exactly what they're trying to do. They, they, they say that they know that they have something or things that they need to change, but yet they're still saying, "Yes, but she or but he does this." Okay, you know, yeah, he or she does do that, but you can't control that and you can't change that. So let's focus on what you can do—you know, change yourself. And it might seem really counterintuitive that when the other person is doing that thing that you hate so much that you don't respond to it in the way that you normally would. You know, how can you make your point if you're not getting mad back at them, or still playing into that game? But if you think about it, that game that you play is just a cycle, it, it continues over and over and over. You know, it's a negative feedback loop. You know, it's the one, you know, person one does something that normally takes off person two. Person two reacts in a, in a way that shows they're frustrated. Person one says, "You always get this way when when this happens. You never, you know, you never work to solve anything." But person two, who says, "Yes, I do. I'm not always angry," and then it just goes downhill from there. So that's not familiar to anybody, right? <laughs> Didn't think so. So that's that. I mean, that was the that was the cycle that we were caught in, and that's not uncommon. And so, if you're in that cycle, again, it's not uncommon. You're not the only one. You're not the only one there. We've all been through that. Um, so, so I mean, the one of the biggest tricks that the enemy has against marriage. And by the way, if you haven't realized that the devil hates marriage, it was it was constructed by God, and he hates anything constructed by God, including us as people. So he tries to break it apart. Um, Jimmy Evans teaches that, you know, going back to what Tim said, Jimmy Evans teaches that, that marriage is basically like an image of, of God, you know, Christ in His church, and so Satan hates Christ in His church, so therefore he hates the image of Christ in His church being marriage, and he also knows that on a societal level, if he can break down the institution of marriage, you start to break down the institution of the family, and you start seeing society go downhill. Um, so that's, I mean, it's it's a hated it's a hated thing in the in the enemy and you know, commonly the world now it's a hated thing, so it's something that we have to work hard to protect. Exiting marriage is easy, on the surface, you know. But going through a divorce—I've never been through a divorce, but I've had friends go through it and seen it. And it's never easy. It's not a. There's no such thing as a mutually agreed, amicable uh, amicable divorce. So that's never the right way to go. Plus, if you have kids, you have to deal with that person the rest of your life. I mean, so so how is that really getting you out of the problem? Um, this is kind of going off track here. But when you look at when you look at divorces, people who get divorced once usually get divorced again and the big reason behind that is because it's not the other person who is the problem in the marriage they have their own issues that they've never addressed accepted or worked out or any of the above and they think that it's constantly their person always pointing the finger yet when they get into another relationship they find out hey this issue is still here it's gotta be this person too how did I end up with another person just like my former spouse you know but that's not the case everyone has their own issues that we need to address and 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 work towards in that self introspection and figuring out what's wrong with you is something that's difficult to do, but it's a necessary thing to do if you want to improve uh, your relationship. So um, I guess the summary of that is just a solution is to to live the way God tells us to live. You know, be selfless. Um, be willing, is, is a especially men in marriage, be willing to lay your life down, Is what the Bible says, <clears throat> for your spouse and for your family. Now, Does that mean, you know, stop a bullet? Possibly, but probably not. You know, statistically, that's probably not going to happen to any of us in here. Um, but what that means is more in day-to-day living, you know, if you have something that you really, you know, planned on doing that day, but something else comes up, you might have to put that, those plans on hold, you know, to, to do things, you know, with your spouse or with your children or whatever, because that shows them that they're more important than whatever that other thing was. So, um, being selfless is a big thing. Actions obviously speak louder than words, so it's not what you say in them, am just what you do. So, did you have anything else to add?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: Okay, we're going to move on to causes of disagreements in marriage. Um, so, so one of the biggest things, and again, I'm sure that no one in here has ever, ever been through this, differing expectations when you go into a marriage. I am thoroughly convinced that it doesn't matter how much pre-marriage counseling you go through and how prepared you are for marriage from, from a pre-marriage counselor, you still go into marriage with differing expectations. The reason being... You've never been in a marriage before, generally speaking. I'm talking about first-time marriages here. So you saw things when you were growing up that your parents did. That's the primary example that you have of how a marriage is done, is what you saw your parents do or not do. Um, So for my example, I saw a family where it was a traditional setup. My dad went to work. My mom took care of the home. She cooked all the meals. She cleaned up and everything. Lindsay saw uh, kind of a war zone where her parents never agreed on anything. There was verbal abuse, sometimes physical abuse. Um, Everyone either loved each other or they hated each other. Um, And there really was no peace in the home at all, which if any of you ever lived in a home without peace, which I'm sure there's some in here that have, it's not a very fun thing to do at all. It's very stressful. Go ahead.
1: We did, see, this is why it was confusing, because we did eat dinner together every single night. And although my parents hardly ever got along, we did not start dinner until 5 o'clock until my dad was sitting at the table. So to go, I mean, and it could be totally crazy before dinner time, and then we're still all sitting at the table. It was just so, as a child, just so chaotic and so confusing, which made going into adulthood even more confusing because not everybody's life is like that. I mean, I have friends who came to my house (laughs) who were have told me recently it was crazy coming to your house i've never seen anything like that i mean i i even went to a counselor as a teenager and after one session she said i can't help you so that's the that's what i was dealing with there were things that we were doing that i'm i wouldn't even share with you right now um so I'll let you get back to it, but just be encouraged that you you can recover from that. You don't you don't have to to be like your parents, and you have the power. <laughs> you have all the power through Jesus Christ to uh, renew your mind.
2: Yeah, not that not that it's easy to do that. It's not. It's certainly not easy. Um, it's not just like you can just flip a switch and all of a sudden be, say, "Well, well, yeah, well, that was. I'm a different person now." and and literally walk in that complete change right away. Now, we do walk in that change through faith, but our brains are still, you know, biological things. that It takes time to to change those things. Now, can supernatural change instantly occur? Absolutely. And God still does miracles to this day. Um, I've seen, I mean, I've seen some in my life. I'm not gonna really go into that, but I mean, I've I've seen it, so I know God still works in miracles. But but generally speaking, we still have to go through a process of change, and that process is good because it, it's a it's a challenge, it's a trial, and it helps us grow stronger and it helps us to rely more on God through that trial um, to see that He's that He is our provider, you know. So and I mean, you agree with that, yeah. obviously, yeah. So I mean, so differing expectations. Now, when we came, when we got married, obviously, we had completely different views of what marriage was supposed to be like about whose you know who's responsibilities things were going to be all that kind of stuff so we really clashed a lot now it, now there's a difference between you know a disagreement and you know a straight up fight and we would not really disagree ever we would just straight up fight yeah. all the time i mean there was periods of weeks where we would fight multiple times a day every day for those those, those entire weeks and it got to the point where my military brain told me okay you're going to go home you better have a counterattack ready because I knew it was coming. It was like an ambush. Every time I walked in the door, you know, something was going to happen. So I would literally come up with these, like, comebacks or counterpoints to points I knew she was going to make. And it was almost like I was getting ready for a debate, you know, going into a debate and studying my opponent before I went in there. And it's, that was really unhealthy. And it was a waste of time. And it really just, like, it wore me out constantly. It sucked. That's the best way, <laughs> That's the best way to put it. It just sucked. Because there's so many other things I'd rather really be doing with my time. Than planning how I'm going to debate with my wife when I get home over something that's not even worth anything, you know. Um, so, so that's where, that's where we were. So, why, why was I at that place in my mind? Because I thought she was wrong. Because I, in my mind, she came from this weird, crazy family that she swore she'd never be like, but she's end up being just like them. <clears throat> so now I have to deal with that. In my mind you know, leaving is not an option. That's not something I ever saw growing up, and that's just, that was not an acceptable option in my mind. So I couldn't do that, so I felt trapped, which made me angry. Um, it's like when you trap an animal, you know, they, they try to retaliate. So that's what I was doing. I was retaliating, uh, and we just, I mean, we exchanged, I mean, bad words constantly. I'm sure our neighbors thought we were crazy. <laughs> they probably thought we were going to shoot each other. <laughs> One of them, our neighbor across the hall is still a friend of mine. He's never said anything about it, but I'm sure they heard some stuff, um, but th- but those different expectations are what was one of the triggering points were um, when we went in because we didn't we didn't understand, you know the the discrepancies that were there, but pride was one of the things. You know I can't be wrong, and I'll I'll concede to certain things, but I don't want to be wrong all the time. You know because she's wrong. You know she came from a messed up family that means she's wrong. You know so in my mind I was almost using that against her as a weapon. That well your family sucks. And that's what you saw growing up, so now you suck because you're just kind of carrying on the family tradition. You know, and and that's kind of what I thought. So that, because my pride was getting hurt, you know, and and your pride would get hurt too, you know, in in our arguments and whatnot, and things that you saw that I wasn't doing that you thought I should be doing, that frankly, you know, I had no idea she expected me to do because we weren't communicating properly. Um, Other things that that contributed to that were selfishness, stubbornness, um, lack of discipline is a big one, um, and lack of self-control. Um, obviously we all have our have our point where we can't continue on with self-control but prior to reaching that point you need to walk away I mean the it, but worst case scenario, is walk away because it's better to walk away and not have that screaming match and come back later uh, than to engage in that screaming match and literally get nothing done I mean nothing well, I don't know maybe somebody has but we never we never accomplished anything through a screaming match except for losing my voice so that, if that indicates anything, the intensity of the conflicts. Um, so, uh, all that is outside of the character of God. All those things. So, what is inside the character of God? You know, what is what does the Bible permit? You know, the, um, Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit in the New Testament. You know, love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control, all that kind of stuff. And he says Ag- against such things there is no law. And it's true, there's not. I mean, those are all things that are good. Those things contribute to building somebody up and building a relationship up. And not tearing anybody down. Um, taking a position or refusing to move from it doesn't do you any good in a marriage. Um, it doesn't good. It does a lot of good in an armed conflict, but not not in a marriage. Um, so the other part was refusing to look at yourself instead of putting the folks in the person. Um, and I was absolutely refusing. Thanks a lot, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I refused to look at myself I refused to accept that I had any contributing factor in this in this uh, situation anything significant I should say I mean I, I figured yeah there's some things I could change but I never actually examined what I was doing or not doing that contributed to the conflicts or contributed to the disagreements I put all that on Lindsay because um, because she just she acted on a hundred percent emotion all the time which I mean isn't right either but me not acknowledging why she felt certain ways um, and affirming why she felt certain ways certainly contributed to her, you know, feeling unloved. You know, to put it—I mean, I guess that's probably the most basic way to put it—you didn't feel loved because I wasn't, I wasn't acknowledging why you were feeling certain ways. And as on the flip side too, she was not acknowledging why I was feeling certain ways. So to me, it felt like, well, she doesn't even care; she's just thinking about herself. So in my mind, I put her in the in the world of being selfish, while I was being selfish. So you had two people being selfish, calling each other selfish. I mean, where does that really get you? on. So, um, and then then the last point we have here is breach of trust. Um, So a breach of trust can be anything from an egregious breach of trust, like pornography um, or infidelity or anything like that. For us, it was pornography. Um, She figured out that I was was addicted to pornography, so that was something that we had to work through. That certainly did not help the whole argument situation. Uh, There was a lot of that going on. And rightfully so, to a certain degree, you know. Um, But breach of trust can be something that's not so egregious. It can be that you're um, that you're constantly beating the other person down with words, you know, or ignoring them or not listening to them. Because that breaches their trust that you're that you're in this for the long run, that you have um, that you have the other person's um, safety so to speak in mind, they have their best interest in mind because you don't when you're doing that. So any thoughts?
1: Yeah, the the one thing that sticks out to me about what you said is that I said I would never be like my family. And obviously, you can see the power of a vow. I became just like my family. And so that was a lie that I started to believe. I'm not like my family. I'm not like my family. And I became just like them. And I was spiritually blinded. And there was still so much that I didn't know, but I also wasn't really digging to learn. I read the books, I did the counseling, but he was still wrong. And there was so much unforgiveness. I, I really didn't even know how to forgive him. I thought I had, but I also didn't have a group of friends around me. I didn't have any accountability. We actually, at that time, were kind of living a double life. We came to church, and we, we served on the teams. I'm allowed to say this. I already told Ken. <laughs> I already confessed. Um, so we're doing this over here and then coming to church and doing this. And do you think God's really going to honor a life that's like that? He doesn't. Um, so that's, that's basically what my thought is. Oh, and breaching trust. I really like how you went into not just um, pornography or lying to each other or infidelity, but it can even be just, honey, dinner's ready and you don't come to the table. I'm trusting that you're going to respect me and honor me and love me and come and sit at the table and eat this food that I made. That's also a breach of trust. You wouldn't go to your friend's house and they say dinner's ready and you stay sitting on the couch, would you? You wanna be respectful, right? There are so many ways that we hurt each other that we don't realize.
2: Cool, good stuff. So obviously all of this causes damage to to each other's hearts, you know, in your your minds. And so that that damage starts to turn turn you against each other. Um, So instead of working as a team, you're now opposing each other um, in what's supposed to be a team. So if you think of, let's think about a football game. The, The Super Bowl was pretty recently. What if the Patriots started tackling each other instead of opposing their team? It'd be a great football game to watch for, for hilarity's sake. I mean, it'd be pretty funny. But they wouldn't get anywhere. That's the point. I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't ever make a touchdown, and they'd get, they'd get soundly defeated. That's what happens in a marriage, too. If we're constantly opposing each other, we're going to get squarely and soundly defeated, and it's going it will never turn out well. Um, so you have to put your differences aside sometimes and continue to pull forward together. Um, addressing those issues, obviously, and working through them, finding out the root cause of why something is the way that it, that it is with your spouse. You know, not just on a surface level, but really getting down to the issues of, okay, when I do this, nobody else gets upset. But when I do this here, you always get mad. Why does that make you mad? And then, here's the big part, shutting your mouth and actually listening, you know, and and swallowing your pride. Because it's probably going to hurt a little bit. Because if you do it all the time, they're obviously going to have some pent-up anger about that. And they're going to have something to say. I'm talking to you husbands. I've been there. They're going to have something to say. So listen, you know, listen, actually take it to heart. Physically take notes if you have to, as dumb as that seems, that's part of swallowing your pride. Like just, you have to show that you're listening and that you're actually receiving what she's saying. Um, because obviously there's something that you're doing that's that's making her upset. Um, and that's not, it is, even if it sounds like a dumb reason, and it might be a dumb reason, but after you listen, you know, maybe later on you can come back and address that with her and, and say, Hey, this is why I disagree with your with your assessment of this. This is why I don't feel like it's like it's a bad thing to do because maybe her perspective is wrong on it. You know, maybe this is just what she's observed you know throughout her life, um, and and maybe it actually is incorrect for her to feel that way. But saying that it's incorrect for her to feel that way when she's telling you that she's upset about it, or when she is upset about it, will obviously not turn out well. That's another lose-lose situation. So just listen and figure out and obviously this is one example but really getting to the, to the root of, of what's causing something you know whether that be you know a, a previous life experience that happened or trauma as a child or something or just a just a bad family situation growing up i mean it might take a while to get down to that root issue because some people might not want to go there yeah. you know they might they might still be holding on to that mean guarding of it mm-hmm. so it might be difficult to get there but but showing that interest goes a long way in helping to go down that path because it actually shows hey I'm interested to know why you react this way. And if they say, well, I don't really want to talk about it, okay, you know, don't force the issue. But over time, that'll show that you're interested, showing that you're a safe person to talk to, and that, that builds your guys' cohesion as a team. So um, one thing that we thought was was worth um, worth noting was a term that we just called constant conflict or continual confl- conflict. Because you have conflict in marriage. I mean, everybody does. There's different degrees of it. But having constant conflict or like a terminal conflict state um, in a marriage is where we were. And so that's kind of where we're speaking from is, is from when we were in that position for quite a period of time. So constant conflict, again, is where you have, you know, equal or more amounts of time where you're in conflict as to when you're not in conflict. And that's where we were. We, we spent probably the majority of our time, depending on the on the time period, 50 to 75% of our time was probably engage in fighting, um, and it, uh, obviously that doesn't ever turn out well, uh, but we, I mean, we both came away during that time period with, with very wounded hearts. I mean, we started to really borderline hate each other. Um, there was no validation of each other's feelings like I spoke about earlier, um, and you start to forget who you are, you know, when you first entered that marriage. Um, for me, I was just a, believe it or not, a really level guy. I mean, I wasn't easily riled up. I always got along with everybody. Um, never really got into any um, like situations, interpersonal situations that isolated the conflict at all. I mean, that was very, very rare that it happened in my life. Um, and then when we get in this marriage, I feel like like we're almost fist fighting, you know, where it's, it's just ridiculous levels of stress and levels of conflict. And in my mind, I kept thinking, like, how did I get to this point? Like, why... Why in my mind am I so okay with, like, saying all these things to my wife, you know, and tearing her down like this, like, intentionally saying things to tear her down and to hurt her? And the same thing for her to me. I mean, she would intentionally say things to hurt me, too. It went both ways equally. There's not one of us that's more at fault than the other. But I kept thinking to myself, how did I possibly get to this point? It doesn't even make sense. Um, So that, I mean, that's, it it does. It makes you forget who you are. Um, There was no clear line of thinking ever. Um, there was no, it really wasn't way, a way to, to think clearly because it was all chaos, and there was there was no peace in our home, um, and obviously there was unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment that started, you know, really taking hold deeply in our hearts. And that, I mean, that, I know in my heart there was there was an incredible amount of, of resentment towards her, you know, because I, I started to feel like she, I couldn't do anything, you know, except, well if I do this then she's gonna get mad, if I go hang out with my friends or if I even ask about it. She's going to get mad. She's going to say, I'm not spending enough time with her when I'm home all the time with her, you know, or whatever. I mean, you name it, I probably felt it. Um, and that unforgiveness that unforgiveness for whatever uh, whatever transgressions she did, you know, whether intentional or not, just kept building up and building up and building up, and it led to, to bitterness and resentment, which is even harder to get out um, than the initial unforgiveness for what when she would do something. I'm sure you have something to say on this, too.
1: I just keep thinking... This goes to show how important it is to be taking care of your heart and to be doing it God's way. And I don't know if anybody was here on Sunday night when Pastor Daniel preached. It was on taking care of your heart. And he said three main things. Quick to believe, quick to forgive, and quick to repent. And the Lord tells us, to confess our sins and to repent and to receive his forgiveness. That's how we keep our heart pure and holy. That's how we keep ourselves from taking up so many offenses. Like he said, whether what I did was intentional or not, he was taking up an offense to it. But when your heart is set on the things above and when you are harboring the kingdom of heaven and that's in your thinking on what is lovely, what is beautiful, what is pure, that keeps your mind clear. And when you're in constant conflict, like he said, it's chaos and it's total confusion. And that is right where the enemy wants you. And then that is when divorce becomes an option when you swore it would never be one. You start thinking crazy things, you start acting in a way you swore you would never act in. Again, the power of a vow. And then like he said, you end up being somebody that you never even imagine. It's it's, it's kind of like when you become a mom, you forget what you even like anymore because you're caring for everybody else, right? Um, but when when there is no peace in any part of your life and there isn't even peace in your heart or your mind, it's just going to be a rocky road and, and, and nothing is going to get better until you start taking care of your heart. So back to the um, quick to believe. That's relying totally, that's, okay, quick to believe. This is quick to believe. On your face, in front of the Lord, not caring what anybody thinks, Lord, I surrender to you because I'm desperate. This is where he wants you. Whether you're there physically, whether you're there during worship, whether you're at home, in your car, I mean, you can't really get down on the floor. Don't in your car. plank
2: in your car. <laughs> <laughs> because your insurance company will hire me.
1: <laughs> but that's where he wants you. And that is the only way that things are going to get better. You have to totally surrender your heart. And we'll talk in a little bit, we'll go into that more about um, what that looks like. Because it really sounds easy, right? You just give him your heart. Man, no big deal. Here you go, Lord. But everything is still my spouse's fault. Everything is still everybody else's fault. And I'm not going to take care of myself. And then the quick to forgive. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters what they did. But to God, your sin is as far as the east is from the the west, right? He forgives you and he loves you. And he still says, come here. Come here. I love you. Yeah, what you did was dumb. He'll let you know what you did was stupid. And, and if you desire something so much and you continue to ignore him, he'll give you over to that desire. But he always has open arms, and that's how we're supposed to be to our spouse. So even when, like, when I found out about the porn, I mean, I know that hindsight is twenty twenty, but I wasn't like, "Come here, I love you. What you did was dumb, but we're gonna we're gonna get through this." But if my heart was pure and holy before the Lord. It would have been different, and so we went through how many years has it been? Six years, seven years. Um, well, maybe it was probably about five or six. After that, there was so much bitterness and resentment in my heart that it didn't even—I wasn't even angry about that issue anymore. I just kept throwing it at him, though. But it was—it was so much more because there was so there were so many things rooted deep in my heart that I hadn't taken care of because I wasn't caring for my heart. I wasn't being quick to believe. I wasn't quick to forgive. And I definitely was not quick to repent. And the, and the Bible says, repent daily. And, and since that clicked for me, which to be totally honest, wasn't until a few months ago, sometimes I'll do something and I'll be like, oh, <laughs> I, just, I just thought something really awful about that person that drove by me. And that sounds super, super petty because that was a thought, right? It didn't come out of my mouth. But that's taking every single thought captive. Like today I was making our bed and out of nowhere, this is how the enemy works, out of nowhere I started, I I can't even remember what it was. I started thinking something negative about Mark. He couldn't do anything. He's, He's at work. He's two hours away. And I had to say, and I did say this, I take this thought captive, and I surrender it to you. I don't want to be like this. I don't want my mind like this. I am a healthy person. I am a healthy person, and Father, I give this to you. And I want to think wonderful things about my husband, regardless of what he has done.
2: Amen. (laughs) But before this, if you would have thought that, and I was at work, somehow it still would have been my fault.
1: You would have gotten a phone call.
2: Yep, yep. You could have clogged the toilet, and it would still have been (laughs) my fault somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds ridiculous, but it's
1: Well, actually, you know what? That is true, because (laughs) when you are in a state of constant conflict, if I plugged the toilet and he was gone, it would have still been his fault because he didn't take care of the septic system he we moved to this house because this is where he wanted to move and I didn't want it again it's how the devil works he's gonna remind you of all of the things that he did wrong and then everything is going to become your spouse's fault again and again and again and it's never gonna end until you take care of your heart
2: Yep.
1: I I have not clogged the toilet (laughs) in this house my daughter did the other day, though, and she didn't tell me, and I didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't see that the water was right at the rim. So I flushed it. I had my slippers on. I had my pajamas on. I was ready for bed.
2: Kaylee thought it was awesome, though. <laughs> wow, look at that. <laughs> There's no whirlpool. <laughs> All right, so how does it, how does it get better? I mean, obviously, one of the big things is, is accepting that you have responsibility in, in what's going on. You, you have a part in it. You have, if you want to use the word, a liability in it. I mean, you, there's a percentage of that, about 50%, that's your fault. I mean, there's, there's situations outside of that, you know, where one person is way more out of control than another one. And, and obviously, that, that happens. But you still have to look at yourself because you're not perfect. None of us is perfect. Um, so, so the bottom line is obviously living the way that God tells us to live. And you can find that in the Word. You can find it. There's, a, there's just so many resources. Jimmy Evans is a fantastic resource. Um, we watched his one of his DVD series recently, series recently, and it was really good. Um, there was some of it that, I've, that I felt was not applicable to our marriage in its current state. And so that was, I still listened to it because obviously I'm, you know, I like to learn things, and so I've always wanted to learn. But there's some, some parts that are more difficult than us to get through because I didn't feel like it was applicable to us. Um, or we had already been through that and, and, you know, had kind of been there, done that, and had the T-shirt. Um, so we just kind of, but I still watched the whole thing. Both of us did. And it was a really good series. You know, a lot of lot of information. But there are so many resources out there you can go to um, if you ever have trouble. And and realizing that you are not the only one going through it is probably the most helpful thing, at least that I saw in, in our marriage. After realizing that I wasn't the only one who had married someone who liked to scream in your face and throw loaves of bread at you, you know, <laughs> Was helpful at least
1: it was soft
2: that time um, but taking God's word seriously is another one and Pastor Dwayne's been speaking about this recently the past couple yeah. Sundays um, is that when I got saved I got saved as a kid okay and I lived in a, in a Christian home um, but for some reason in my mind it was okay you're saved you're going to heaven carry on as usual so when I got into high school, and then when I got into the Marine Corps, it was a free-for-all, and I just partied all the time. Um, and being a Marine, we have a genetic ability to drink a lot, uh, so I did. I took full advantage of that gene, um, and I just lived the way that the world lives. And that's not what God called us to do. He doesn't tell us to get saved for fire insurance, as Pastor Dwayne put it, which I think is a great way of putting it. Um, but he tells us to be, you know, to believe on him and to live like he lived. You know, like follow his example. And the Bible is obviously a book full of his example of how to live. And some of it, you might think to yourself, well, that's ridiculous. That doesn't even apply to today. I mean, how could anybody not do that today? Or how could you possibly live that live that way today? Well, I mean, that's just the fact of life. That's the way it is. The Bible is 100% truth. Yeah. So everything in there is what God expects. So if you can't meet those expectations, it's because you're human. You can't meet them. But there's something called grace, which God gives us to allow us to meet those expectations. And grace isn't just... I'm going to do what I want, ask for forgiveness, and I'll be back on my way. That's not what grace is. Grace is God's power to us. Um, and the Bible says that that God's strength is made powerful in our weakness. Um, his grace is made strong in our weakness. Grace is, is His empowerment in our lives to live the way that the Bible tells us to live. That applies to our marriages. You know, being the the Bible says that men need to love our wives, and wives need to respect their husbands. That's a, pretty, that's, I mean, that's a pretty basic principle, but it's deep, you know, if you really look into it. So something that I, that I do is, is I spend time every morning and I read the Bible every single morning. Whether or not I only have a few minutes or if I have a, a while longer, I still spend time and I read. And I have found, because I've done this in kind of a, I, I work in a field that's pretty scientific, um, so I, I kind of, that's the way my mind works is like the scientific process to see and analyze the effects of certain things. So I started reading the Bible specifically every day for a certain amount of time to see what effect, if any, it would have in my life. So so that's the, you know, the hypothesis, what effect does this have? And I found that continually, in almost in an exponential fashion, for those of you who, who hated math in high school like I did, exponential is when the graph goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> linear is a straight line, and it's not a linear function, it's an exponential function every day. You know, I felt myself being more and more at peace, and I would specifically pray that the Lord would give me understanding for His Word because I always found the Bible very hard to read. To me, the Bible was a book to read when you when you wanted to fall asleep quickly, because I just it, I didn't get it. I would come to church and hear a pastor speak and be like, "Hey, that makes sense. Cool. I'm gonna go read that." And I like, what the world does that even mean? You know. <laughs> so I started thinking logically: if God gives us this book. And he wants us to read it because these are his words. And Jesus says to follow his commands. Then there's got to be a way to get it. So I figured, well, I mean, God doesn't set us up to fail. That would be a pretty epic fail. Like, here you go, man. Here's that book. Learn it. But I'm not going to help you. You know, good luck. Uh, So I just started praying that God would give me understanding. And he has. And it it wasn't like he appeared in my room one morning and was like, hey, by the way, you got to understand that. That would be awesome super cool but it wasn't how it was I mean I didn't feel anything it's just over time I start to get it more but but again it's exponential I become you know I feel more at peace I get along with Lindsay and my kids a lot better um and I'm able to have more patience is the biggest effects that I've seen um at least in my life at this point so I would highly encourage anybody to just read the bible every day you know whether it be on your phone I prefer a physical version of the bible um but read it every day so and that'll that that will lead to you know healing in your marriage um and in your life in general with other relationships, too. Um, so even if your spouse isn't, you still do the right thing. Because yeah. God will still reward you for doing the right thing. Um, so to, to come back to, to our situation, not that I was did the right thing, because I certainly did not. Um, but I was very patient with Lindsay. I'm only saying this because she said it. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. I was really patient with Lindsay with all the changes that she needed to make in her life. and She was patient with me, too, with certain changes I needed to make in my life. Um, but she, she continued to do what she did. You know, made small changes here or there. And she would make, things, make changes on her own, with her own will, strength of will. And that would last for a little while, and then it would go back to the default. You know, because that's what happens if you don't do something with God's power in your life. You just try to do it yourself. It's very difficult to do something yourself. Um, when it comes to something that significant, you know, like a like a mind or a heart change, it's very difficult to do, if not impossible, to do all on your own. Um, so I would I would pray for it all the time, you know, and just wait and wait. And sometimes I would get really mad at God, and I mean, I there was plenty of times where I like yelled at God, and then I, my logical side came in. And I thought to myself, I got to look like the biggest moron in the world, yelling at the air, you know, like voicing all my all my frustration to the air, you know. And, but I knew that God was listening. You know, it's, but, I mean, we can get frustrated with God. You don't have to always be holier than thou with him. I That's mean, right. he's your heavenly father, so you can, we don't, like, go, like, swear at him and stuff. That's not really appropriate. But, <laughs>
1: well, there's a righteous anger. There and, is. absolutely, yes. And he, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this story. It was Jacob that wrestled God. Am I right, Rachel? Okay. Uh, and God let him wrestle him, and when God was done, he touched his hip. So I find that so comforting that I can go before God righteously with a righteous anger and tell tell him what's up, right? Like, this sucks, and why is this happening? And this is what I feel about it. And your word says this, but this isn't happening in my life. Like, what is up with that? And and when he is done allowing you to do that, he will let you know. And then again, he says, come sit in my lap. I'm going to... I will reveal to you every answer to what you just yelled at me about. That's a loving father.
2: It takes patience, though. It definitely takes patience because sometimes you don't hear something for a while. And God has his reasons for that. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know what they are because sometimes I I disagree with him, too. But you can't disagree with somebody who's perfect um, and feel like you're right because obviously you're not. Um, So since we're kind of running out of time, let's just go with this and then you can talk about this. So change... Changing in your, in your life and in your marriage comes when you put your emotions aside and your opinions aside. When you start to examine what the truth of the matter is, you know, what God's truth is. When you can accept that you've contributed to the problem somehow, regardless of how significant your contribution is, when you can accept that you've contributed, contributed to it. Uh, when you realize you can't change the other person, um, constantly dying to yourself. And again, what that means is not literally dying, um, but just putting your own ambitions, your own um, wants aside, you know, if your, you know, modern day talk would be like your own plans aside. You know, like if, again, if you had plans to do something, but something more significant came up at home. Not putting what's at home aside, putting what your plans were aside, being selfless like that. Um, I did that. I already did that. And you both have to make changes. <laughs>
1: It's a lot harder when only one of you makes the change, so we highly recommend that you both do. How much time do we have? Three and a half minutes. Okay. Go. All right, here I go. Okay, so (laughs) here is a verse, and and I'm going to be talking about um, the renewing of my mind because this was something recent for me and and drastic. Um, So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's Proverbs 3, 5. The Passion translation says, "Trust in the Lord completely, and do not rely on your own opinions. With all of your heart, rely on Him to guide you, and He will lead you in every decision you make." So I'm going to break this down quickly. Um, Trust in the Lord completely. I already got on the floor. <laughs> I went out of order, but I, I wrote down flat face on the ground be- before Him. That's where you surrender. That's where you're in desperation. That is that. Those are in those moments. That's when God can work the most. Um. Don't rely on your own opinions. This is when you put on the blinders, and this is when your mind starts to transform because you're allowing it to be. <clears throat> so blinders would be getting rid of everything that is not Jesus. If you want a change in your marriage and you want your mind to be restored or um, renewed and restored, you put on those blinders and you, f- and, and you dive in all things Jesus. I mean, that may even mean getting rid of some friends, not listening to your favorite band, All Christian music, I mean, for me, I had to dive straight in because I hear uh, um, some secular music and it just takes me back to my old life. I just, I can't do it and I would rather not. I'd I'd rather take care of my heart and take care of my mind. Um, So, transforming your mind, we already talked about that. Taking every thought captive and surrendering it to Christ. Um, with all your heart, rely on him to guide you. This is where you're made a new creation and you have revelation. Um, one time we were driving home and we got in a huge fight and the coldness in my heart that I felt was something I hadn't felt in a very long time, which meant that it was still there. Right. It it was terrible, and that was a turning point for me, and I I have a group text with all of my girlfriends, and I said, this is what's happening, and one of them gave me a verse, Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. At this point, I realized I really was desperate, and I totally believe that it was in that moment of my desperation and my surrender to him that he gave me a new heart. And so I had to start caring for that new heart, and I have to fight to stay focused. I have to fight to make hard decisions. I had to um, stop doing a lot of things that I was doing at church. I was serving in a lot of areas where the Lord didn't want me because they were a distraction. Um, I had to keep choosing God in all things that I did. I had to keep choosing to trust him because we have free will, and it's a choice. Um. The more I continued to make choices based on God's truth, relying and trusting without questioning, my spirit was built up. It was edified. And on the other side of trusting him was revelation. He told me the truth about myself and where I was going wrong in our marriage. And this was just such a fresh of breath air because I really thought I was doing the right thing. I mean, we all usually think we're doing the right thing. If you're doing something with the wrong intentions, then you're just being deceptive. And you're kind of asking for it. But I really thought I was doing the right things. And he was so gentle. And he said, hey, this is where you're going wrong. And it was even things like manipulation. Stopping my feet. Closing the doors hard. Hopefully he'll get the point. Going downstairs and saying, why aren't you helping me? Why are you working out so, like, for so long? I have all the kids upstairs.
2: Hanging up the phone on me.
1: Hanging up the phone. Just being manipulative. And I didn't realize I had been doing that. And so I had to go to him, and I had to repent to him, and that was the beginning of huge change for us in our marriage. And we had already, I mean, our marriage had already been transformed, and now it's being transformed again, and that's just how awesome our God is. Um, So with all your heart, rely on him to guide you. I believe it is with a new heart that you're able to rely on him to guide you. And so this is where you really have to evaluate whether or not you have fully given your heart, and your life to God. Um, The last part, and he'll lead you in every decision you make. I'm told this is way past three minutes. I'm almost done. Um, Free will and making choices and decisions that line up with the truth and with the kingdom of God. Like I talked about, I was making the bed. I started having those bad thoughts about my husband. He wasn't even with me. He'd been gone for two days. Uh, It wasn't even a rational thought, and I had to fight that. So there's your free will and your choice to fight that thought. Take it captive and surrender it to Christ. You're taking care of your heart. And I keep repeating that. I cannot stress how important it is that you take care of your heart. And you notice how I'm saying your heart. Okay? Not that you shouldn't take care of your husband's heart, but you have to take the focus off of your husband regardless of what is happening in your marriage, and you have to focus on yourself and focus on God. Francis Chan has a very good book called You and Me.
2: He has a lot of good books, actually.
1: But this book, You and Me, is about this. It's about your relationship with God and how that is what makes marriage work because there isn't a checklist that you can check off and say, yep, my marriage is good now because it's a constant dying to self. It's a constant choosing Christ. I'm going to choose Christ. I'm going to choose Christ. That's it. Each time you make the decision to follow God, your spirit is strengthened, Your new heart is, and your new heart is protected. He'll protect you. That's what that book is for,
2: the Bible. It's a big book. <laughs> okay, so that's all we have. Again, if you guys have any questions about anything, really, you can come and find us um, or any of the leaders here. Um, you can ask us anything. If I don't know the answer, I will tell you I don't know the answer and I will send you to somebody who probably does know the answer. So that's all we have. Thank you, guys.